Hey, single lady. I am so glad that you are here. We're going to continue our series on attachment styles. So two episodes ago, I talked about identifying your attachment style. Then in the last episode, I talked about successfully dating with an anxious attachment style. And today we're going to talk about how you can successfully date with an avoidant attachment style. All right, this is going to be good. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Single Over 30 Podcast with dating and relationship coach, Shanna Schutte. Shanna's here to help you find a trustworthy, marriage-minded man who will love and adore you. Here's Shanna. All right, before we get started, I want to make sure that you hear what I've said before. Please don't beat yourself up. If you find yourself identifying with one of these attachment styles that's not secure, please don't beat yourself up because these attachment styles are malleable. You really can change. You may have heard me say that I used to have an anxious attachment style, and then for a period of time, I was avoidant, and I was able to change that, or my relationship with my husband helped me change that. So please do not think that, oh my gosh, I have this unhealthy attachment style. I'm not secure. I'm afraid, whatever it is, and I can't get past it. That's totally not true. One of the best things that you can do to become more secure in your attachment is to educate yourself because once you start seeing patterns, once you start understanding who you are and what makes you tick, then you can change. So that's my first thing. Please don't beat yourself up. You may have heard me say that when you enter a relationship that experts say that you aren't who you say you are or who you think you are. You might feel confident, but then when you get into a relationship, you may feel panicky in the case of an anxious attachment style or in the case of an avoidant attachment style, you might feel smothered. You might feel uncomfortable with physical or emotional connection. So when a man moves towards you, expresses interest, or things start to get serious, you may find yourself wanting to pull away, or you may even try to sabotage the relationship. You might get angry when he wants to solve a problem or a conflict between the two of you. You may feel uncomfortable when he tries to take things to the next level. You may say that you want a relationship, but you also value your independence and you only want someone to get so close to you. So you're kind of keeping love at arm's length. You might idealize self-sufficiency and avoid dependency. You might idealize a past romantic partner or a phantom partner. You might become critical of men or a particular date or when you go out on dates and pick these guys apart. Maybe you don't like his haircut or the sound of his voice or the way he walks or there's not enough chemistry between the two of you, whatever it is. If you can relate to what I said, you may have an avoidant attachment style. For the avoidant attachment style, any kind of closeness can feel scary. So on the cognitive level, you're not thinking, okay, this feels scary because you don't feel fearful in the same way that an anxious attachment style fears fear in their body and they start to feel panic. You might not think, like I said, that these emotions are uncomfortable, but the way you cope and the way that you disengage when you feel uncomfortable might be to shut down your feelings, to turn off emotions, and to be in control. You may pull away, and so you might have systems 
in your life that help you be competent and in control and with it, with your feelings, so that you can never feel out of control. One of my coaching clients, I was talking with her, and she'd started to see a guy that she was interested in. She's an avoidant. And we talked about her being more emotionally open about how she feels about him. And so I asked her, can you say this particular thing to him? Like, I really appreciate that you did that for me. And she said, that would be really uncomfortable for me. And so we talked about how she could just get outside of her box just a little bit so that she could feel more comfortable because her way of maintaining safety and emotional safety was to never feel unsafe, right? And that kind of expression of appreciation made her feel vulnerable. So when you were a child, maybe one of your caregivers or both of your caregivers weren't there for you, either physically or emotionally. Maybe they even expressed disgust when you were crying or when you were afraid or when you needed them. Maybe you heard, stop crying or big girls don't cry or whatever it was. Or maybe the parent would stonewall you or pull away from you when you needed them. So the message that you got from all of that was, Emotion is wrong. This doesn't work when I make myself vulnerable and emotions are bad, right? And as a result, you developed hatred for emotions or disgust for emotions and maybe even hatred for yourself and have felt like there's something wrong with you. So as a result, any kind of strong feeling that could lead to closeness can feel uncomfortable because you grew up believing that you had to take care of yourself. You had to regulate your own emotions. I heard something really interesting lately. It was saying that babies, when they are born, have the entire emotional center of their brain fully developed. Of course, the logical part of their brain is not developed. So the role of a parent is to help a child regulate their emotions. That means when that child cries or is sad, upset, or afraid. It's the job of the parent to help the child regulate those feelings. But when you have a parent who's unavailable for you and will not help you do that, then what you do is you learn how to self-soothe. So you pull into yourself. You take care of yourself. You do not let any kind of emotion out that is going to make you vulnerable to rejection or someone not being there for you. You had to deal with your own feelings because no one else was going to help you. So if you can relate to anything that I'm saying, be encouraged. If you want a committed relationship, like I said, research shows that attachment styles are malleable. So here are some tips to help you date successfully with an avoidant attachment style. So the first thing is you want to educate yourself about your attachment style. Of course, this goes for every attachment style and everybody has an attachment style. <laughs> when you understand your attachment style and the coping mechanisms and triggers that come with it, then you can enter dating and relationships with more confidence and a greater understanding of why you do this or that. So I just mentioned that I was an anxious attachment style. And I really think that at that core, that's who I have been in my life, in my relationship with my husband, I'm secure. But these things can carry on for a long time. The patterns that come from our attachment style can affect us our whole life. For example, I'm getting ready to go on a trip. And just this morning, I was thinking, why is it when I travel with anybody else and I'm getting ready to leave with them? Like, for example, I'm getting ready to leave the house with my husband. 
all of a sudden I feel panicky. I feel nervous. I'm like rushing around and kind of like just go into this frenzy trying to get everything ready when otherwise I'm pretty calm. So I was thinking, why do I do this? And I thought, you know what? When I was growing up, I was always the last one out of the house and my parents were always yelling at me. Someone was always mad at me for being late. And so inside, I think still, I have that anxiousness that I'm going to disappoint the other person. I'm going to make them mad if I'm not on time or if I'm not ready to go. So it's just really interesting because the more that you know about yourself and you educate yourself about your attachment style, you'll see how it permeates your life and your relationships. And when you see it, then you can do something about it. So here's the problem with this, or can be a problem, is that for the avoidant attachment style, they might not think that there's anything wrong. Because unlike the anxious attachment style that feels panicky and afraid when their partner pulls away, the avoidant doesn't feel this. For them, their partner being distant isn't a problem for them, right? They feel the opposite. They feel like they need to pull away. So it's more of a problem or a challenge for them to see that dependency is not a bad thing because they're not feeling the pain of their emotions. Like I said, they're not even thinking, okay, I feel anxious or I feel scared. They don't feel those things because they've learned how to be in control of their feelings. But again, you want to learn as much as you can about your attachment style so that you can become a healthier you. And the healthier that you are, the healthier your relationship will be, and you will attract a healthier person. Which leads me to my next point, which I just mentioned, is that dependency is not bad. Strong emotions are not shameful. You are not bad if you are sad or grieving. When you recognize that your emotions are neither right or wrong, you'll be able to connect with them more and give yourself the grace and the freedom to be human and to feel. You were created with feelings and you were meant to feel emotion. So avoidant parents tend to raise avoidant kids. Because some parents aren't comfortable with emotion, they don't know how to help their kids process their feelings either. Like I mentioned, they may pull away, they may tell you to stop crying or stop being such a baby or just fix it or whatever it is, and so therefore you do not feel safe. So a first step is to recognize all this stuff that I've just been talking about, including that dependency isn't bad. And if you are avoidant, you were just raised in a way that caused you to believe that it was and that the only way to stay safe and be emotionally safe is to not be dependent. Years ago, I went on a trip to help at an orphanage in Africa, and I met a little girl there who was just completely adorable. During the whole week, we had a lot of fun with the kids, my team and I, we had a lot of fun, and on the last day, all of the kids were moving towards the bus with all of the goodies that we had given them, and this little girl that I had connected with, her name was Edith, she was carrying a backpack on her back, and she also had one on her front. She was really small, I think she was about six years old, and she was just trudging under the weight of these backpacks. And I called out to her and I said, Edith, Edith, let me help. She turned around and she smiled at me, but then she just kept on going. And I thought, isn't that how it is? Like when we feel like we have to carry all of our own burden. And in this case, when we feel like we have to deal with all of our own emotions, that nobody is going to help us. So we're carrying the weight of 
everything in life all by ourselves. And as a result, we miss out on the joy that comes from connecting with another person. And as I think about this, it's just so grievous, right? Because truly connecting with another person and being dependent on each other and helping each other is one of the biggest joys of life. That's different than being codependent, right? And being all anxious and feeling like you have to please. That's different. But a healthy relationship consists of two people who are dependent and interdependent on each other. The next thing is remember that you do not have to become all sensitive and emotional and let all your feelings out all at once and let your guard down, right? That may feel overwhelming. Another one of my coaching clients was avoidant and she's now in a healthy relationship with a great guy. And she asked me before she went on a date with him, what do I do if he tries to hold my hand? Because she was uncomfortable with physical closeness. And we talked about how she could, just like I mentioned earlier, get outside of her box just a little bit. I said, you don't have to be brave for the whole evening. And they'd been seeing each other for a while. You don't have to be brave for the whole evening. You can just hold his hand for a minute or two or three, and then she could take a break. She could pull back and get that space that she needed. But she just wanted to get outside of her comfort zone just a little bit at a time to test her emotional safety and to find out if her boyfriend would respond in a way that says, hey, I'm here for you. It's good to remember that the messages that we got growing up, the ones that we received from our parents, the ones that we got from that man who wasn't there for us, right, or men who were not there for us. These are just a few people. There are people who are emotionally safe and who will be there for you. The next thing is you want to be clear about what you want. It's especially important before you get into a relationship to define what you want in a relationship. Do I really want a relationship that leads to commitment? If I find myself saying things like, well, yeah, I want to get married one day, right? And you're 30, 40, 50 years old. If you're saying things like that, you might check yourself and go, why am I saying that? Am I being avoidant or am I afraid? Or if you've had one, two, three relationships that haven't led to marriage, or you have dated maybe for years and you can't seem to pull the trigger, you might ask yourself why and get some coaching or some help for your attachment style so that you can move past these unproductive dating patterns that aren't helping you get any closer to that committed relationship that you really want. If you're interested in coaching, you can reach out to me at shannashutycoaching.com. That's S-H-A-N-A-S-C-H-U-T-T-E coaching.com. Or you can go over to singleover30.net and click on the little coaching button at the top of the page. I would be happy to have a breakthrough session with you. So if you're avoidant, you may feel uncomfortable with your emotions or with strong feelings, which can block you from being honest with yourself about what you really want. So again, the first thing is to define what you really want. To be honest, if you really want a relationship and ask yourself, if I knew I could get past, um, you know, feeling smothered or like I always have to pull away or all of this drama and the back and forth in my relationships that makes it difficult, would I want a relationship? If I had a friend and someone who I could really trust, would I want that? 
Next thing in defining what you want, you want to define the type of relationship, like long-term or just hanging out. This is going to help you honor yourself and honor the other person. In defining the relationship and what you want, you also want to define what kind of character traits you're looking for in someone. Because if you're aware of these traits and you get in touch with why you want these traits in someone, it will help you be honest about your sincerity and desire for commitment. You also, if you are dating someone who is anxious or securely attached, you want to take note if you find their displays of affection and emotion disgusting or inappropriate or weak. You want to ask yourself, am I transferring the feelings that I have about my own emotions and about my own safety onto them and shutting them down? You do not want to downplay the feelings of your partner or invalidate them just because you do not feel the same. Next, you want to let your date know that you need space. Maybe it's someone you've been seeing for a while, someone you're getting to know. If you need to take a break, say on a Saturday afternoon, and get alone to relieve that pull that you feel to get close to them when you're uncomfortable or you're starting to feel smothered, let them know and let them know why. Don't keep them second guessing. Tell him, I need some space this afternoon and I'm really looking forward to getting back with you later for our date tomorrow night or whatever it is. So tell him what you need and then encourage him. When you do this, instead of using a detachment technique in order to regulate your emotions, this is a whole lot healthier, right? Other things are going to cause an up and down or a push and pull in the relationship and create a very unhealthy situation in which a man will eventually not trust you because you will not be there for him in the same way that others were not there for you. You also want to become aware of the ways that you try to sabotage and undermine your relationship. Maybe when your date brings up the next stage of the relationship or ask you how it's going, you change the subject. Maybe you acquiesce, but inside you know that you're really not comfortable. Maybe you start a fight. When you are aware of your sabotaging maneuvers or the way that you push and pull or the strategies, like I said, that you use to regulate your feelings, that's awesome because that is a first step to recognizing where you need to get some help. So for example, maybe your date tries to put his arm around you, but rather than hugging him back, you insult him or you pull away or you make a joke, right? Something to cause a disruption to detach at that moment. So you want to pay attention to these things. Also, you want to pay attention when you have strong emotional reactions. As I mentioned, for avoidance, emotional closeness can feel frightening, even if not on a cognitive level. You're not thinking, this is scary. So what you want to do is you want to pay attention to strong emotions that point to avoidance and that result in pushing the other person away. Emotions such as disgust or anger or ambivalence. So maybe you're having a conflict with your special man and he's trying to solve it. Maybe he's an anxious attachment style, so he wants to move toward you and fix it. But unconsciously, you know that solving that problem will result in deepening of the relationship and greater emotional intimacy. And you don't want that. 
because that's scary. So rather than solve it, you get mad, stir the conflict up, and push him away, which results in this back and forth dance between anxious attachment style and avoidant attachment style. As I mentioned, I did go through a period of time where I was avoidant after I was hurt. And I remember one afternoon, I'd been seeing this guy and he lived about an hour away and I was on my way to go see him and I was really, really excited. And then all of a sudden, I just felt disgust and ambivalence toward him. At that time, I was in my late 30s and I was starting to recognize it wasn't quite right. So I recognized that this kind of ambivalence or even hatred toward him that I was feeling had nothing to do with him and everything to do with my insecurities and my fears. So you want to question your assessment of men. You want to question the times when you feel disgust or ambivalence or pick them apart or do not like things about them. There was a book that I was reading and it was talking about how it was giving an illustration of someone who had met somebody for a date, they walked away and they didn't like the person because their elbows were dirty, right? These are the kinds of things that we can pick on, like someone's voice or the way they look or the way they comb their hair, whatever it is, you want to question your assessments. I mentioned Gina, who I was coaching, who is an avoidant and now is in a great relationship with a guy. And she shared that her emotions weren't telling her the truth. She said that was the biggest thing that she learned through coaching is that her emotions were lying to her. She said she thought she was just being wise, like I see this red flag and that red flag, but really this was her fear. So you wanna question your assumptions where you think you see red flags or you pick apart guys because red flags may not be red flags at all, just like they weren't for Gina. If you feel like nobody can measure up to your standards or you idealize men who are out of reach, you might just be avoidant. So again, in closing, I want to encourage you, do not beat yourself up. But if you want a relationship and you're struggling with the things that I mentioned and you can relate to what I've said, get some coaching, get some help. I'd love to help you. Reach out to me at help at singleover30.net. And as we close, I hope you've been encouraged. Remember that the dream that you have to love and be loved is possible. And remember to keep it sunny. I'll see you next time. Keep it sunny, baby.